Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. So you'll notice if you guys look up here, there's some green drapery on the cross and on the communion table. You guys see the green? And that is, that's been there since Pentecost, the, day, the week after Pentecost. And that means we're in kingdom time. Kids, remember your little calendars that we move the arrow every week? Those, that's the same thing as this. It reminds us that it's kingdom time. And the green reminds us that it's a growing time. That's what kingdom time is. And it's a season of growth when we celebrate and remember and recommit ourselves to the work of God in the world as a church. And I think the Beatitudes is a fun scripture to use during kingdom time because it reminds us that God's kingdom is a little bit backwards than what a world kingdom might look like. And in reading the Beatitudes, we see that those who are oppressed, who are poor or persecuted or otherwise in a less than ideal situation are seen as righteous in God's eyes, which is kind of backwards, right? Usually those who are the best at things get the best grades or those who are rich have the most power those, who are, those are the ones who are rewarded by our culture, by our area. And usually, um, they, get, they get all the good things, right? When you're the best, you get every good thing. But God says the opposite, which is very interesting and different, but in a really good way, isn't it? This reminds me of how Jesus came to Jerusalem, and he came riding on a donkey, which represents peace, instead of riding on a big, massive horse representing war. Because people expected the Messiah to be a warrior. And then Jesus showed them that he, the Messiah, is somebody who brings peace. Peacemaking is not when we put a bunch of Dead Sea salt and lavender oil in our bathtubs and light some beeswax candles, which does sound lovely. But uh, peacemaking is when we are a part of some redemptive work and restoring relationships. Um, to put that more simply, peacemaking is when we help resolve something that's wrong. Peacemaking is a part of Jesus' work to make all things new. We are invited and called to be a part of that every day as salt and light and to share that goodness of God with the world. Salt helps bring out the flavor of food, right? It makes everything delicious. So it's a really good analogy to say that we are a salt of the world. We're going to make the world more delicious with God's love. Delicious is probably not the right word to use. But <laughs> yeah. So if you ever have to eat your peas in order to get dessert, I have a tip for you. Just sprinkle some salt on it, and it will taste so much better. Or if you're having to eat some meat, and it's not the best tasting meat, you can just sprinkle some salt on it. it. Tastes better. Or if you're an adult who's trying to love vegetables, because you should, because you're a grown-up, <laughs> just sprinkle some salt on it, and it makes it so much better. If you're gonna eat butter, well, not like eat butter, but like if you're gonna use butter, use salted butter. The other butter is just worthless, right? I guess if you're baking, it's okay, but yeah. So salt just makes things taste better. I promise it's a good tip. Just don't go, don't, don't overdo it, kids. Don't overdo it, because that's, that's worse than no salt. Okay, 
Anyway, <laughs> um, so you are the salt of the earth. You are the peacemakers. You who are mourning, you who are merciful, you're the salt of the earth. Being salt of the earth is not an identifier of superiority. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm salt, and you guys are just sage, or whatever, I don't know. I don't know what sage tastes like. Uh, <laughs> rosemary, <laughs> nice, okay. So it doesn't make us better than anyone, and it's not a competition to be the saltiest, but like if there was a salt, if there was a competition with this verse, the Himalayan salt lamp is the obvious winner because it is both salt and light, right? <laughs> so you are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill. And the word you in Matthew, the original language, is actually plural. So the Illinoisan in me, um, I'm from Illinois, and we say you guys, and I even say that, like it's ingrained in me so much, I say that in like a room full of like only women, which is so silly. But at least I'm not saying use guys. My aunt and uncle say that. They're from Michigan. Um, but um. <laughs> Sorry guys, I'm real silly. Okay. So we can try a southern twist, y'all, but I don't have the accent, so I decided I'm not gonna use that. So I'll just say you all are the salt of the earth. Um, you all are a lamp on a stand. You all are a city on a hill. So imagine that just one of you goes up on horse tooth and shines a light. I'm not exactly sure we could see it. Um, even if you're like standing on the top of the rock and you aren't blocked by trees, right? But if like all of us and all the other churches from the city of Fort Collins hiked up horse tooth, um, that wouldn't be fun. Well, maybe it would, I don't know. But I'd probably complain the whole way. But we'd get up there with our lights and then if the trees aren't blocking us, we would shine much brighter. We are brighter together. Just like how one kernel of salt or one grain of salt doesn't exactly make your peas taste better, but like a nice even spreading throughout makes your peas taste much better. I really love peas. It sounds like I hate peas, but I eat peas like twice a week, right Jason? <laughs> um, so um, it would be really illuminating if we all were up there, or if we all were like in the food, just don't get in the food, but. Um, so <laughs> um, we are a community and we follow God as a community. It's not an independent effort, even though we might be doing something different over here in Windsor, while your friend is over here in Fort Collins doing something, but we are a team together, we are doing it together. How are you following God alongside your community? Are you merciful? Or are you pure in heart? Are you a peacemaker? How are you living in a way that shows others the love of God? The church saints are people who have lived in very inspiring ways for God. That's how they have been declared a saint of the church. And um, they have given us rich examples of what it looks like to be salt and light in the world. Our community today can be inspired by these people who lived over a thousand years ago. Now, a lot of the saints are not only really inspiring, but also really weird. Like, it would make really good TV uh, to see it all acted out, because let me tell you, I took a lot of church history classes, and it was like 
really interesting because it was a lot of drama. Like, anyway. Um, so one of those crazy saints was named St. Francis of Assisi. And this Friday, October 4th, is the Feast of St. Francis. It's the day when the Catholic Church celebrates the life of St. Francis and remembers him and is inspired by his life. So I am going to tell you some fun stories about St. Francis because they're really good. So get ready. Do you guys like weird stories? Because you're about to hear a couple. So Francis was born over a thousand years ago and he had kind of a wild and rebellious youth. And before he started to follow God, uh, he, he, even, he says this about himself, that he greatly despised people with leprosy and he avoided them at all costs. And that was a pretty normal thing to do with people who had leprosy because people didn't want to catch that disease. Today, it's called Hansen's disease and it's treatable, but back then it wasn't. And it, they were, people who had leprosy were shunned from their communities so that nobody else would catch what they had. And maybe the only human contact they had was like with other people who had leprosy. And so Francis, before he was following God, was riding on his horse, trot, 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 and he sees a leper. And he rides right up to the leper, gets off his horse, and just hugs and kisses this leper and shows him that he is loved. And I think if I were the leper, I'd be like, oh, yay, like, someone is showing me love. But also I'd be like, whoa, someone's showing me love. Like, what's happening? <laughs> but so he was a little bit different. Like, not everyone would go up and do that. But he found himself unable to resist showing this leper that he was loved. Francis believed that when he hugged this leper, he had actually hugged Jesus. This reminds us of the time when Jesus taught us that whatever we do for the least of these, we have done for Jesus. When you feed the hungry, you feed Jesus. When you visit someone in prison, you have visited Jesus in prison. When you hug and kiss a leper, you have hugged and kissed Christ. You are the salt and light for the world. What are some ways that you can show compassion to others, especially those who face rejection from their community? How do you imagine the church lifting these people up and treating them with dignity? After his encounter with the leper, Francis heard the scripture from Luke 9, 1 through 3. And this, I kind of think that this is like, wow, St. Francis is like really like all or nothing. Uh, the scripture says, announce the kingdom, possess no gold or silver or copper in your purses, no traveling bag, no sandals, no staff. And after hearing that, Francis was like, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. And so he lived a life of poverty after that. And he founded the Franciscan order of monks and they still exist today, which is pretty cool. Not the same people. Like, that was a thousand years ago. But like new people have joined. The history of it's the same, just to be clear. Um, so mostly Francis would preach to humans in his effort to follow God. But um, one day, he was traveling, and um, he saw some birds, and he thought to himself, hmm, I wonder why I've never preached to birds before. So then he started preaching to the birds. It's kind of weird, right? And he said, my brother and sister birds, you should praise your creator and always love him. 
He gave you feathers for clothes, wings to fly, and all other things that you need. It is God who made you noble among all creatures, making your home in thin, pure air. Without sowing or reaping, you receive God's guidance and protection. And it is said that in response to this, the birds spread their wings, stretched out their necks, and looked intently at Francis, rejoicing and praising God in the way that birds were created to do. Now, this is kind of like a really silly story to think about, but <laughs> I like it because it can, teach, it can still teach us a lesson, despite being super silly, that the creation of God is good and that they need love and compassion. And if you have any kind of animal, you know that that's what they desire and food, which is a way we can show them love, right? And um, St. Francis decided that they were worthy also to hear the gospel and to receive encouragement that they were doing something that honored God. But it's still very silly, isn't it? But... Um, oh yeah. So I have one more story to tell you, and it's probably the most wild of them all. And so you guys are probably like moving to the edge of your seat, like what is going to happen next with St. Francis? So our story begins in a town called Gubbio, or Gubbio, I have no idea how to say it. It's a town in Italy, and uh, they were being terrorized by a wolf. And it was a lone wolf, which is unusual, because normally wolves travel in packs. And he was also, um, instead of being shy of people, most wolves will like run and hide if they hear a human coming. But he was pretty violent towards people and other animals, like the cows and the sheep that they were raising in town. So the town was pretty scared of him. And so they had tried to get rid of him, but they just couldn't do it. And when St. Francis heard about this, he's like, well, I'm going to go and help them, right? And so he was like, I'm going to go confront the wolf in the woods. And the people were like, no, don't do that, you crazy man. Don't do that. But he was like, it's going to be okay. And he walked into the woods where the wolf normally is at, and he saw the wolf. And just when, about the wolf was, when the wolf was about to attack him, he said, Come here, brother wolf, I command you in the name of Christ not to harm me or anybody else. At this, the wolf lay down, and Francis explained to him how the townspeople were afraid of him because he had done so much destruction. But the townspeople would forgive him if he promised to make peace with them and not to be violent towards them. And he said that the townspeople would feed them every night if he agreed to honor this. And the wolf agreed and shook St. Francis's hand. <laughs> right. That's what wolves normally do, right? And um, so they agreed, and Francis walked the wolf into town and told the people, well, um, the wolf has agreed to keep peace. Do you also agree? And would you make him food every night? Because he's really hungry. And so the people agreed, and they made food for him and set it out on their porch every night. And they lived in peace with this wolf for the two years up until the wolf passed away. I love this story because it's like so crazy and unexpected. Um, it would make great TV, right? Like I said before, this would be a good TV show. But we find St. Francis showing us how to care for creation 
in a redemptive way. When we see something going wrong, we can do something to restore it. Something was going wrong with that wolf. He was all alone, and he was hungry and violent, and St. Francis, instead of deciding like that revenge was the best way to go, reached out to this wolf and tried to make peace. We can remember this because we're not gonna ever make peace between a wolf and a town, probably. I shouldn't say never, because what if? But <laughs> that's not typically how we're gonna do that. But we can remember this in our relationship with creation and with other people as well, like St. Francis and the leper. There was this man abandoned by society and marginalized, and he showed him love and affection that he had not had. Francis was always trying to find ways to bring peace and redemption to everyone and everything he encountered. When we see something going wrong, we can bring peace and reconciliation. Francis was a peacemaker with humanity and with creation. He cared about people and creation. These things still happen today. There is marginalized people and the earth is in trouble. And um, a thousand years later, this is still true, that we can be peacemakers and salt and light in the world. Blessed are all you peacemakers, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the lamp on the stand. Are there any ways that you might seek peace in your own life? Do you notice anything that's going wrong that you can do something about? Maybe you can keep bees because the bee population is in trouble or maybe plant some pollinator-friendly plants um, in your yard. Or you could go thrift shopping for clothes instead of buying new since the clothing industry is really hard on the environment. You may want to adopt an animal who needs some love and who has only known fear and abuse in its past. You could buddy up with someone in your class who's usually the last to get a partner or play with someone on the playground who seems lonely and by themselves or like they're having a bad day. And there are always things in our community to help with. Like we help with Faith Family Hospitality and Renee's Hope to help people who are homeless. And you could even come to Parkwood Game Night because the senior population is pretty ignored in our society and going to play games with them would just, it would not only be fun for you, but also for them. There are also several other ways to get involved in the community, but those are some that our church is part of. I'm going to read to you this uh, prayer of St. Francis. It's actually an anonymously written prayer, um, but it's attributed to St. Francis because you'll see why it's, it sounds like St. Francis. So I'm gonna read it for us, and then we'll also pray it together during the prayers of the people. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that one receives, it is in self-forgetting that one finds, it is in pardoning that one is pardoned, it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. 
Jesus preached about the kingdom and that he's making all things new. And in kingdom time, remember that Jesus calls us, the church, to partner with him in this cause. And peacemaking can look like a lot of different things, whether you want to like uh, make peace with a wolf, like St. Francis, or just like help an animal you see in trouble, or help a friend or a stranger that you know is in need. There are so many ways to bring peace. And um, may we find inspiration in the life of St. Francis, a devoted follower of Christ, to live as peacemakers, salt and light in the world, and as instruments of peace. So a popular thing that churches do to celebrate the Feast of St. Francis is to do a pet blessing. You guys didn't bring your pets today, and also we have new carpet, so that's not gonna happen. But I did print some blessings for you guys to take home if you wanna come and grab one to bless your pets later today. And I also have printed off a couple copies of the St. Francis prayer, if you'd like that to go to. Open our eyes, Lord Jesus, to receive your light and be your light. May we see you in this common bread and in our common lives, in our hunger and our fullness, in our suffering and our joys, in our waiting and our hope, Feed us also with bread unseen. Open our hearts, Lord, and fill your cups to overflowing. Prepare your table of blessing, even in the presence of our enemies. May we reflect your light to the world with compassion for the poor and passion for justice and liberation for the oppressed. Pour for us the cup of heaven. Come to the table of the Lord, you who are longing for God's face, you who are weary from the world, you who have fed on the bread of sorrow, you who have quenched your thirst with tears, come for the table is ready. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. 1 Corinthians 11.23 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.